HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program is brought to you by Chefs Collaborative, a nonprofit with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Change menus, change lives. Learn more at chefscollaborative.org. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum from the Brooklyn Kitchen. Join me every Wednesday as I talk with people about what they do and how it influences their personal food stories. This is a show about people, life, and food. Today is episode number 76 of Feast Your Ears, and I'm very pleased to have Stacey Ornstein join me in the studio. Thank you. Stacey is the founder of Allergic to Salad. Yes. And we're here. We're going to talk about uh, her programming there, how she started Allergic to Salad, whether or not she's allergic to salad. Um, so thanks, Stacy, for coming in. Thank you for having me. Um, as a note, I uh, when I was doing some research uh, about Allergic to Salad, when you Google search Allergic to Salad, there Uh-oh. are a couple of studies that come up. Now, you're, you're top. Your, your SEO is good. You're way up there at the top. But further down on the first page and on the second page of Google, there are some studies about people with lettuce allergies. Yeah, I well, I mean, I believe that you can be allergic to anything. Yeah, yeah. So tell me about Allergic to Salad, your company. Uh, so Allergic to Salad is a youth-based culinary program. We offer uh, in-school and after-school programming uh, to mostly in New York City public schools, um, though we've sort of expanded into the tri-state area, and I sort of have dreams to go national hopefully soon. Um, we do healthy vegetarian cooking classes. So the the name is a little bit of a, a joke and a play sure. of what kids say whenever they see a pile of greens in yeah. front of them. Definitely. I, I, I mean, I'm a father of two children, a seven-year-old and a three-year-old. And definitely, um, I feel like there's a certain point, and I don't remember what age it was, when my daughter understood the idea of an allergy. Right. Yes. And, you know, she never said it herself about being allergic to food in that way. But my son is, in fact, allergic to peanuts. Right. So we talk about food allergies and, you know, her nose will be running and she's like, oh, dad, I'm allergic to all pollen. I'm allergic to this. I'm allergic to that. I mean, I think it's a really difficult 
distinction for kids, right? It sort of is like within that capacity of it's like, well, what does time mean, mm-hmm. right? My um, my oldest just had his fourth birthday, and he woke up the next the day after his birthday party, and we were like, oh, we're going to go to out to Long Island to have you know Nana and Poppy's um, birthday party now for you. And he was like, am I five? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, no, you didn't. Right. You know, you didn't turn five overnight. <laughs> like, slow down. Um, but it's sort of similar to that, right? You you start talking about um, allergies and how you need to be careful with them and that people can't eat them. And it's like, oh, okay, people can't eat things that we're allergic to. So I'm just going to use this whenever I'm afraid of something or sure. when I don't want to, don't want to eat it. Yeah. So now I'm just allergic to it. And, and I find definitely with kids and I don't, I don't have memory of this myself as a child, but that the reaction is almost universally. And I don't know why, um, I don't like that right. when it's something new right? rather than let me find out whether or not I like this right. and then make a decision. Well, it's like that. Understand I'm it. unfamiliar with this. Yeah. I'm a little bit nervous about trying this because what if I don't like it? Well, it's okay yeah. if you don't like it, right. but I find even adults use it at restaurants. I've heard, sure. I've gone into restaurants and I've definitely overheard adults that I know have no allergies. will yeah. say something like, Oh, well I'm allergic to this just because they don't want to make sure, you know, oh, I'm allergic to anchovies. Right. Don't put any anchovies. And it's, it's like, well, uh, you know, you're not allergic to it. Don't yeah. you know, you're an adult. Like, you can say you don't like it. I mean, you can have dessert first. That was my mom's right. big thing. She always <laughs> said whenever we asked for like candy and sweets, she said, when you're an adult, you can have dessert first. I actually ate out with someone once who um, who did that, who we were we were out and, and they ordered the, their dessert. Well, they ordered their whole meal and they said, but can you bring the, the dessert first? I want to make sure I save room for it. And I was like, wow, I've never actually heard, you know, I've always heard people say save room for dessert, but right. never actually order have it, it first. first. So you make sure you have room for <laughs> yeah. it. That's a, that's a, I, I like that. I like yeah. that. Um, where did the, so did you go through different names or did like allergic to salad just come to you when you were starting the company? Um, I mean, I, you know, I sort of, well, so the, the name is totally not from me. It's one of my students actually. Um, and this was maybe, what was this like eight years ago during the whole like H one N one swine flu thing that was going around. Um, and this, this really precocious, um, girl came into, you know, and I had known her already for a couple months. She'd been in our classes and, um, she was very vocal about what she did and did not like. And she saw this big pile of, of spinach on the tray because we were making spani copita. And so, you know, it's, spinach shrinks down to nothing. And so you see, I mean, it was literally like the table was covered. Right. Um, and she saw it and she sort of, um, she fell down. Initially, she fell down on the floor and sort of pretended to seizure. <laughs> How old was <laughs> uh, she? She's second grade. So <laughs> My daughter's it's second like, grade. I can imagine. That. Right. Yeah. Ten, sort of. Um, and so she started to seizure and I was, and I was sort of like, what are you, you know, what, what's going on? What are you, you know, I, I mean, I could tell she was obviously joking. I was like, what, what's going on? What are you doing? She goes, I have that H1N1 thing. I, I can't eat this. Um, and I was like, well, first of all, like you would not be in school if you had H1N1. Um, and H1N1 doesn't prevent you actually from eating anything. And, and she, she sort of stood up and she was like, well, fine, I'm, I'm allergic to salad. I can't eat this. Um, and so my joke with her was, well, it's really unfortunate uh, because we're going to be having chocolate salad next right. week right. and she won't be able to eat that either. Um, because, right, obviously it's, I, I think sort of the initial reaction is when people say, would you like a salad with that? Or it's a salad. You think, oh, like, 
wilty iceberg lettuce and, you know, sad out-of-season tomatoes and rubbery carrots. Gross. Um, But there's, like, seaweed salad and shrimp salad and fruit salad and pasta salads and quinoa salad. You know, there's there's a whole world of salads. And I think even... Even now, more and more people are getting so innovative with things that are salads that would potentially, I don't know, maybe have been called a side in the past. Sure. Um, sure. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, there's even, I used to work in television, and so craft services always, after lunch, would put out a bowl of what we called candy salad. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was a bowl of mixed candy. And so it was I like, like that. oh, I'm going to go and get a cup of coffee and some candy salad. Right. right? I like that. Um, but yeah, so it was sort of, you know, she said that, and I just thought it was it was so funny. Um but, you know, when I told her we were having chocolate salad, she, she sort of jumped up and she was like, I'm not, a, I'm not allergic to salad. I'm just whatever that is. Um, I can't have it. But, of course, it's like the, the students that always say that the moment they open their mouth in the classroom, I'm like, you really shouldn't have said anything because you are my pet project now. Right. Um, and I will get you to eat this. Yeah. Um, and it, it, those are the kids that always turn out, obviously, like loving, you know, ironically sure. loving the dish and asking for seconds and thirds. Yeah. and. So I have to ask something that I've seen a lot of, um, as a parent and, you know, I see every, I feel like it gets trotted out every couple of months. You see an article about, you know, how to sneak healthy things or sneak vegetables into kids food. Is oh, that, yeah. are you a proponent of that? I'm, I'm really not. Um, I, I think for one, you could it, tell that was kind of a leading question, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think for one, it, it, you just don't, you're not allowing a person, um, to develop an actual appreciation for what that is. You're telling them. Uh, in order for you to eat spinach, it needs to be inside a brownie. Or in order for you to have, you know, carrots, it has to be inside a muffin. Now that's, or you're not even telling them. Or you're not right? even telling or them. Or it's, you know, the, the recipes that I've seen. I mean, nobody ever is like, well, we're going to sneak ground beef into the brownie. Right. To get you to have more protein. Right. It's always, how do you get spinach into it? Or how do you right. get them to eat, you know, carrots? Or- yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, and what I say to people, and I, and I work with parents also who um, have... Uh, young six-month-olds and how to sort of develop healthy eating habits starting right from the beginning. Um, And I say to them, you know, it's fine if you want to make like a zucchini bread or a carrot muffin or, you know, substitute um, some, you know, some of the butter with applesauce, but be honest about it. Don't call it, you know, like a chocolate muffin when it's filled with spinach or when it's filled with whatever it is. Um, Someone on a, one of these like parent boards, um, I saw this discussion, I thought it was so disgusting, and I, and I always mention it, um, but she had, you know, a, a very picky eater, and her child wasn't eating any vegetables, and so he only ate peanut butter and jelly sandwich all day, every day, she said. And so she, she wrote on the board, haha, like, I've got him, I took a bag of frozen peas and carrots, I pureed them, and I folded them into the peanut butter, and I made a peanut butter pea carrot and jelly sandwich, and he didn't know. Um, and my first reaction was, I never want to eat at your house, yeah. ever, ever. <laughs> um, because if I'm going to have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, I want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah. And your kid's going to go next door to like little Jimmy's house and have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich or a brownie and be like, why does little Jimmy's you know, peanut butter and jelly sandwich or brownie taste so much better? Right. Um, but you also get into getting back to allergies. You also get into trouble when you have someone that has an allergy. Like, as we said before, you can be allergic to lettuce or yeah. to spinach. Yep. And little Jimmy might not, you know, might see a brownie and say, ooh, brownie. There's no spinach in brownies. I'm going to have one of those. And, yeah. you know, goes well, into and- 
you know, an allergic reaction, yeah. and he's, like, traumatized for life because he never wants to eat another brownie because you put spinach in it. Right. I mean, my son is three and a half and knows that he's allergic to nuts. Right. He knows what nuts look like, but he doesn't know how to know if there are nuts in something. Right. right? So, I mean, just this morning before coming to the show, uh, I was at a school picnic, end of the year picnic for his preschool, and the teachers were very adamant, you know, make sure there's no nuts, and then there was chocolate on the table right. that had almonds in it. Right. And I mentioned it to him that he shouldn't eat it, and he know he knew not to eat it. But if you know, but the there were brownies, there were cookies, there were all these things, right. and hopefully everybody else didn't put nuts in, and he was fine. He did not have an allergic reaction, but it's very hard to know. Yeah, those or used peanut oil. Yep. You know, or yeah, um, it's yeah, it's I I'm very lucky in that neither of my boys have allergies that I know of uh, right now. But I mean, it's it's. It's very terrifying, I think. Um, yeah, it is. And when people don't take it seriously, I, not that that parent who brought no. that didn't take it seriously. They just didn't even... No, it didn't cross their mind because their kid isn't allergic, which is fine, right? right? But it is, it, it is in, at that age, it, be, it is an issue. And it will be an issue he'll have for his whole life. Right. I mean, I, you know, I have but a, as he gets older, he'll be able to actually you know, identify sure. something and read a label. And, yep, absolutely. Yeah. So you don't believe in, in hiding foods from kids. No. Um, how, you know, what, I guess I'm interested to, to understand a tactic is the wrong word, but how do, how do you approach food with children who are put off by it um, yeah. in that way? I mean, I'm very lucky to have kids who, you know, yes, they say, no, I don't want that, but we have the same rule in our house that you list on your site, which is rule number one is try everything. Mm-hmm. And rule number two is you don't have to like it. Right. And so we're very clear that like, you have to taste it. And they're usually pretty good about it. And sometimes they say yuck and sometimes they say yum. And sometimes they say yuck. And then five minutes later, they clean their plate. Right. And they said yuck too, because they're just kind of fucking with you. But, right. um, you know, so how do you get a kid who comes into the room and says, "Ugh, I don't like spinach to eat spinach and or to at least try it? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, um, well, for one, I think most important for kids, especially ones that um, are adverse to, to trying new things, especially green things or whatever it is, um, is to get them cooking. Um, that's number one. Um, because even if they don't eat the final dish nine times out of 10, they're going to be sneaking things throughout. Um, which is always so funny to me because I'll sometimes cook with kids and it's, they've literally tried every single component that's going into the dish. And then once it's actually composed and on the table, it's ugh, gross. Like I'm not, I'm not going to eat this. And it's like, wait, but you literally, yeah. ate everything and enjoyed everything <laughs> and made it all right and, I mean, and made it all and i find that with my daughter we've started having her choose at least one recipe a week right that we're going to make for dinner yeah one night and while she doesn't always eat the final product the experience of doing it she always tries it yes definitely um and i think um coming to the and also same same goes with gardening or or anything like that i um, I bought my son a, a basil plant, and it's like his basil plant to take care of that's in the window. Um, and I've literally walked by, you know, the kitchen, and I've seen him standing there, like, stuffing his mouth with, with the leaves. Um, but, you know, it's like you throw basil in something. He's like, oh, I don't eat that. Right. Um, <laughs> it's like, okay, sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think also it's it's really important to stay positive around the dinner table or, or the breakfast table, whatever table it is. Um, and to not turn food into a battle because, I mean, it's like ki- kids will will make a, you know, the moment you say, like, you have to eat it, like, if you don't, you know, I'm you're not going to watch 
you know, whatever psycho show I hate you watching because it drives me nuts. Um, <laughs> like all of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the moment you, you start taking away those privileges, it's like, oh, well, like, who's going to win this battle? You know, it's like the same thing with, like, bedtime and getting dressed in the morning. And, no, I don't want you to wear, like your wool pants and long sleeve t-shirt when it's 95 degrees out. But it's great that you got dressed on your own. Right. So great. You do you and have fun with that at school. Like here's a change of clothes that don't worry, you don't have to put it on. Just, you know, just carry it around all day. Um, Or more like I'll carry it around all day for the time that you tell me that you're, you know, sweating and can't stand it anymore. (laughs) Um, But I think it's really important to stay positive around the table. Um, And even if you have, there are some kids who are just, extremely extremely um you know we'll we'll fight you know it's i i think you and i are both lucky that we actually have kids that you'll say like well you just have to try one bite um but there are some kids who will just immediately turn it into a battle and i think that's when you have to like step back and it's like all right great um fine you know don't eat it you do you that sounds great um and then i'm usually saying it's like well do you want dessert and dessert in our house is like a bowl of strawberries um or like an apple so i'm like great so like do you want dessert then if you don't want to eat this you can have dessert and you know tough cookies if you're if you're hungry at you know bedtime and you know and i say it's like well what should you have done oh i should have had dinner yeah should have had dinner um maybe tomorrow you'll eat it mine also strangely will always um he's he's like is there, he'll have like one bite and he's like, it's okay. Um, is there school tomorrow? I'll take it to school. Um, which I'm like, are you going to eat it at school? I'm like, I'm happy to pack it up for you, but are, are you going to eat it at school? I don't know, but sure. My mom used to tell a story that when she was a kid, her mother sent her a salmon salad sandwich to oh, school yeah. one day and she didn't eat it. And the next day, her mom sent the same sandwich, and like this went on for like five days. Oh, it's like the and aunt what, that gives you the ugly sweater. And my at mom the refused to eat it, and and you know by the end of the week, my mom was so. I mean, I think she was like eleven or twelve years old at the time, and you know was so overcome. Like, oh, this is so gross, mom. You gave me the same sandwich. <laughs> Why do you keep every giving me the stinky lunch? And it only came out years and years later that my grandmother had in fact made a new salmon salad sandwich every day oh, no. but kept sending her with the same thing because she was like well you didn't eat it you have to eat your lunch oh right yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I definitely like have done that yeah. with uh but mine I think now just sort of dump it in the garbage and then he he comes back and he's like I totally ate it all well my daughter goes to a school where they have lunch at school every mm-hmm. day so we send her with lunch but it's sort of a thing of like what did you like because clearly did you didn't you eat choose? all your lunch or what did you eat at school right. and sometimes that's good I mean I think I think also by the time you get to a certain age peer pressure really I was, yeah, I was just about to say a lot and in, in and that can be a very positive influence it can yes. be a negative influence also um, you know, we've done a lot of, uh, we've had a, a number of older school groups um, visit through the Brooklyn Kitchen and when the meat hook was in our space. And, you know, there was always a moment where the butchers would serve them raw beef and watching high school kids stand there and everybody's like, yeah, yuck, yuck. All it took was one kid right. to try it. The and everybody was maker. like, well, yeah, I don't, I don't want to miss out. I want to taste it. Right? <laughs> right. Even if it's gross, they wanted to say that they tried oh, it's, it. They it's, even if it's gross, it. it's, it's, it's better. Right. It's like, I mean, I'll get kids who it's like, they see beets and I'm like, this is disgusting. I'm like, did you know that if you eat enough beets, you will pee pink. And if you really <laughs> eat a lot of beets, 
like something else is going to turn pink too. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, and maybe like you'll be able to stay home from school tomorrow if like, you know, you like show it to your parents and they don't know what's going on. Um, and it's like immediately it's like they're like, you know, eating beets like apples and stuffing their yeah. face. Or it's like, oh, did you guys know that it's like asparagus? Your pee will smell so bad if you eat this. <laughs> uh, really? Really? So, I mean, it's like I think the it's like the, science experiment. Yeah. On yourself, on yourself exactly. Yeah. And it's like that you factor is totally great for kids. But I agree. It's um, that was going to be another thing is, you know, cooking at home. But some kids just they still don't want to try it. And so I think just getting them involved um, in cooking classes where you're actually not there, um, yeah. not to like toot my own horn and like what we do. Um, but I mean, I've seen I've seen kids who um, the, their parents say, you know, it's oh, it's great. Like I see them they're eating seconds and thirds of whatever dish it is in class. They don't touch it at home, but they're eating it. They're eating it at school. Um, and some of it is the peer pressure and some of it's just, I mean, it's like, I was this way. It's like, oh, it's my parents want me to do something. Like I'm going to do the exact opposite what they want me to do. Exactly. Um, and I'm sure mine are, you know, I've, you know, got two that I'm sure like that too, or will be. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so it's a little bit of that, like psychological battle. I yeah. Think, and, so. and it's context, right? I mean, and context influences adult eating habits too. Yes. So I, and I think the thing to remember is that, you know, kids, you know, they're, they're starting to form as people and it totally, like what you eat is totally influenced by your context and where you are. Definitely. Um, and, and being a great role model yourself, right? I mean, it's like, I'm, I'm totally guilty of like eating at the table and it's like, oh, this is, you know, this is the best. It's like, you're like making out with like all the vegetables at like <laughs> on the table when like my kid like doesn't want to eat it. Um, or it's like, I can eat or turning it into a competition. Like I can eat five green beans. How many green beans can you eat? And it's like, well, I can, I can eat six green beans. It's like, no, I don't believe you. Show me. Yeah. Um, when my son learned to, to count, it, it was a big deal. We were yeah. like, can you eat 10? Right. Those 11, like, you know, trying to get, get him to do that. Exactly. Right. What can you count up to? Um, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I think it's most important is just keeping it positive and not as hard as it is. It's like not letting it totally drive you nuts when they're, when they, you know, which is really it. hard. I will say with it, with our daughter, it is, it is more, it is often a battle more often than I would like it to be. Right. Um, but I feel like with her doing some of the cooking or at least helping in the kitchen, that's, that's yeah. changing. We're tipping the scales there, I think. Yeah. Um, we're going to take a short break okay. and hear from one of our sponsors here at Heritage Radio. And when we come back, we'll keep talking about salad. Great. Brought to you by Chefs Collaborative, a national nonprofit network with a mission to inspire, educate, and celebrate chefs and food professionals building a better food system. Chefs Collaborative members work to make sustainable practices second nature for every chef in the United States. Chefs Collaborative was founded in 1993 by visionary chefs, including Rick Bayless and Alice Waters who acknowledge the influential role of food professionals on our food choices, our collective personal health, the vitality of cultures, and the integrity of the global environment. 
Chef's Collaborative believes that the greater culinary community can be a catalyst for positive change by expanding the market for good food and helping to preserve local farming and fishing communities. Change menus, change lives. Learn more about Chef's Collaborative at chefscollaborative.org. Hi, I'm Celia Kutcher, host of Animal Instinct on Heritage Radio Network, the show all about animals. Tune in on Mondays at 6 p.m. to hear all about animal education and animal welfare. Support my show and all of Heritage Radio Network's programming by going to heritageradionetwork.org and clicking on the beating heart to donate. Welcome back to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum, and in the studio at... Heritage Radio behind Roberta's today. I have Stacey Ornstein, the founder of Allergic to Salad. Before the break, we were talking about sort of how to get your kids to uh, to eat um, salad and other things, things they don't want to try. Um, and, you know, the main message there was stay positive mm-hmm. about it. Uh, after the break, I, I try to talk a little bit about something I cooked and ate this week. Um, it's hot in New York this week. We've mm-hmm. had like our first real heat wave in the 90s every day for a few days. It kind of broke a little bit this morning with some rain. Um, so salad actually is what I've been making a lot of. And we talked I in the beginning <laughs> about different kinds of salad. And I realized uh, in sort of prepping for this show that, you know, last night on the dinner table, we had chicken salad. Mm. We had cucumber salad. We had a uh, watermelon mint feta salad. That's one of my favorites. Um, And so, you know, my daughter said to me last night, she said, Dad, your chicken salad is amazing. (laughs) And I looked at her and I said, well, it has mayonnaise. And and she said, man, mayonnaise is the best. I know. Well, especially when you're using like good mayonnaise, right? Or making your own or something like that. Mayonnaise is so good. I agree. So I think salads is really like, that's it. I mean, summer is all about different kinds of salad. Um, You you mentioned in your pre-show questionnaire that eggs were the the best thing you ate this week. Another thing that can be made into a salad, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, that questionnaire was, in fairness, taken like two weeks ago. But (laughs) Fair enough. Yes, it's true. But but I actually did eat, um, I did eat an egg this morning. I just, I really like eggs. I that I think that would be like I think they're so versatile and yep. they're like good on sandwiches or you know you can like I mean you can even throw them on like a hamburger or like yeah. on top of a salad or in pasta I did hard or I, I like the the soft boil because I like my the center like still just like a little a little gooey I I agree my kids don't like the yolk oh mine don't either I don't know why, why. I'm like know. I'm, I'm like, wondering if it might be texture. This is the best part, you guys. Yeah. Well, my daughter likes yolk when it's runny. I mean, sometimes yes. she'll ask for what we all, in my house, we always call a dipping egg. Yeah. So you take, you know, you cut up, you have toast and you get to dip it in the yolk. Right. But hard boiled, they don't like the yolk. Yeah. Mine, yeah, mine, and I'm always like, snooze, you lose. Like, I'll eat, I'll eat your <laughs> yolk. Sounds good to me. Um, but, but yeah, I, I know. I'm like, why are you eating egg whites? You're like from the from the 80s yeah. or something <laughs> what's wrong with you what did you eat growing up was did i mean was was salad and greens and vegetables a big part of the cuisine of your household um why well, I, I remember starting very young um my mother did have us um you know i have two brothers and um you know like family of five we um there's like a lot of food especially with two boys in the house like a lot of food being consumed a lot Um, so, so she definitely cooked a lot. Um, but at a certain point, uh, she started sort of distributing the mealtime to each of us. And so each of us sort of had like a day of the week that we would cook. Um, but I remember, um, I'm sort of slightly OCD and I sort of ended up 
make actually making the salad a lot. Um, and it was mostly so I could slice the vegetables and arrange them in like a very OCD geometric pattern on top of like the bed of lettuce or whatever it was that we were eating. Um, I feel like you could do a collaboration. Do you know Julia Sherman who just wrote salad for president? Oh, I saw that. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. She was just on a show yesterday, I think in the studio here. So you guys could collaborate maybe since she's an artist. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love that. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really have like the same kinds of salads I, I did as a kid as much anymore because they were sort of like that 1980s like iceberg lettuce and carrots and tomatoes um but yeah I mean I, I loved like arranging the, the things into I grew up sort of creating this theory that I always liked Brussels sprouts and lima beans mm. and everybody talked about how they didn't like them and I remember when I went to college I had a roommate that just ate peanut butter and jelly right all the time uh, but I remember going and we had a we joined a, a co-op and had a farm share um, my junior and senior year in college and we got Brussels sprouts on the stalk and one of my roommates oh, was awesome. like what is that and I was like oh it's Brussels sprouts they're delicious they're like ugh yuck right. I hate Brussels sprouts and I looked at them and I said do you like have like, you even you ever had them do you know what they taste like because I feel like at least in the 80s there was, that was like there was a social it was almost like a I guess what we would now is like a proto meme uh, about like not that lima beans were gross and yeah. that, and that Brussels sprouts were gross, and I never understood it because I always liked them. And I remember cooking them for my roommates, and I was like, just taste them. Yeah. And they were like, man, this is delicious. And I was like, right. You were convinced by social pressures right. that these foods were foods kids don't like. I think there was also, like, a wave of overcooked, soggy I greens. Think it's a fair point, yeah. Right? And it's, like, I'm very much like an al dente, like, broil them, keep them a little bit crispy, or, like hot sear them so they're like a little bit blackened sort of thing going on um and i can pretty much eat like any green you put in front of me in that method um but yeah i mean i my my husband talks about how it's like oh like i I couldn't eat like broccoli until i was in my 20s because it was like always like limp boil yeah um so it's like well like roasted broccoli though with like garlic and like a little like salt and pepper or parmesan or whatever is awesome yeah. um so i think that has and so that's what i often say to people when whenever they um kids especially right in our, in our cooking classrooms they'll they'll like look at a tomato and they're like oh gross i don't like tomatoes and i'm like well uh do you like pizza sauce and it's like oh yeah i like pizza sauce do you like salsa yeah i like salsa uh do you like ketchup. yeah do you like ketchup <laughs> i love ketchup um and so i say that i'm like you know all of these things, like the primary ingredient is a tomato. So like you like tomatoes, you just might like it in some other form, um, or which is okay. So you possibly you have to had it in a form that wasn't good or that you didn't like. Right. right. I mean, that's, I think the the other thing too, is kids, I think are very literal. Yes. And so like one experience is right. very is forever. Yeah. And also like texture too. Right. I mean, it's like, I still, I still, unless it's, like, an amazing, like, ripe, farm-fresh tomato, like, a plate of tomatoes, like, if it's off-season and it's, I'm, I'm like, I, I can't do it. Yeah. Like, sliced tomatoes, like, why would I order caprese salad in the middle of winter? Right. Um, like, it comes out and it's, like, it's, it's like. they mealy and, yeah. Yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah. Um, or it's, like, sliced on a sandwich. It's, I, I, yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, I think, and, and so texture, even. You know, for adults, I think that's a that's a big component. Yeah, you do um, 
classes even for very, very young kids or for parents who are feeding very young infants who are just starting to eat. And I wanted to ask a little bit about that and what kind of things new parents I've obviously missed my chance my kids <laughs> early palate uh, was is, is already formed um, but but I think that you know it is it, it has always been interesting to me I mean when we, when we started feeding our children we were just feeding them whatever we were eating right and you know whatever that was but the sort of you know the, the pressures from the baby food industry, from our parents who had sort of grown up feeding us in this way, was to feed kids only mush that had right. no texture, that had almost no flavor. Right. Um, you know, and, and sometimes it did. It was bananas or it was sweet potatoes and things like that. But often it's like, you know, cream of wheat is touted as like the perfect baby food and it's yeah. the most boring thing to eat in the world. And sure, it's calories. Right. But it's not... It helps them not, sleep through the night. <laughs> <laughs> the, the golden ticket that every parent wants. I thought that was whiskey. <laughs> Both. You, oh, that you add a, a little shot of whiskey <laughs> into the into the cream of wheat. Um, yeah, I mean, our our in school classes, our, our cooking classes start. We actually do pre K, so as early as like eighteen months is is what we do in in school programs. But um, what sort of happened was um, when my oldest was um, about like eight months, eight, eight to 10 months old or something. And we would take him out to restaurants and people were like, wait, you're like, you're just giving him, it's like what you say, you're you're just like giving him what you're eating. Like, where's the jars of food? And like sitters would come over and be like, I don't understand. What am I supposed to feed him? You know, it's like, like, (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. There's like some like sliced cucumbers in there. And like, you know, there's like a, a chicken, you know, a drumstick in there with like no meat on it left. Like he can sort of gnaw on that, whatever. Um, but, but yeah, sort of, I had, um, a friend of mine that, um, is also a food educator and, um, shortly, uh, just before my, my oldest was, um, sort of about to go down that path of, of eating solid foods. She came over and, you know, I was like, I had like, my like super special blender and like my one ounce like freezer things. And I was like, I'm totally going to make all my own food. You know, like little did I know it's like how exhausted I was. And I was like back at, you know, running allergic to salad and it was just like not going to be possible. Um, and she was sort of like, what are you doing? Like baby led weaning. And then she like got up and like washed dishes and left. And I was sort of like, what are you talking about? What's going on? Um, and I took the book out of the library and I read it and, um, I, just I it, I really latched on to the idea because it's like well if you really think about it freezers and blenders um, and pasteurization these are all very new inventions and it's like well but humans are still alive yeah, we're, we, but, we're here right I before mean, we're the that example of how that worked exactly out. and um, I mean my you know it's like my my grandmother like grew up on a farm my mom grew up on a farm it's like she you know it's like she wasn't you know like running off to the grocery store and buying like little like jars of food. So it's like, well, what, what, like, what did people do? How are people alive? Um, but yeah, it's exactly what you say. It's, um, you know, giving, giving the, the child when they're showing signs of readiness and, you know, it's not always exactly at six months for some kids, it's five months or four and a half months. And for some kids it's eight months. Um, but giving them real food, exactly, you know, what, you're eating and you know it's it's cutting it correctly so it doesn't become a choking hazard obviously but um but offering that to them and people always say it's like oh well like but like like can i can i give them food like with cinnamon and cumin it's like well yeah why not um and in fact like the people and so i hold these workshops and i sort of 
lead parents through this um, process, and I sort of say it's like you know I'm sort of think of me as like a food like mentor or something through this, and you know. Um, I will I will give a word of warning an experience we had with my daughter. The first food she was the first food she ever ate I think was actually sweet potatoes at Thanksgiving when she was like four months old. Yeah. And then the first food she really showed a real affinity for was bananas. Mm. And we made the mistake of giving her, like, two whole bananas. Oh, yeah. When she was, like, six months old, like, right in a row. Because she's like, <laughs> wanted another one. And I was like, great. You want right. to eat, eat another banana? Totally. And she was constipated and didn't poop for, like, three days. Right. And Well, and like, this is, like, the thing that we don't even think about is, like, a lot of these things that that people are like, it's a great first food. Sweet potatoes, carrots, bananas are actually very constipating foods. Yep. And it's like, if you think about it, it's like when you're sick, it's like people are like, eat these foods because it'll like, you know, seal you up. Yep. And, and already it's like when a child goes from having like a purely liquid diet to like a more solid diet, like that's a huge, huge change, change yeah. in their system. So it's all these, all these things going on. Um, Our daughter also, I mean, one of the things she, she prides herself on liking to eat bugs. Mm. She loves eating crickets and chapulines and nice. fried worms and stuff. And... But when she was a baby, I mean, when she was a year and a half, maybe, um, I guess maybe she was even, no, she was even younger than that, I think. We had a bug dinner where we had a chef come in and who was cooking bugs. Nice. And I was holding my daughter in one hand and I was holding this live mealworm in the other hand and it's moving around like a worm. And she couldn't even speak. She just leaned over with her mouth open. I love Like that. had some crazy innate right. understanding that it was edible. And that it was food, and right. we've never been able to figure out. But she likes eating books. That's so funny. I love that. Yeah. Um, but and that's something that you would have like if you were doing purees with her, you would have never, you know, you yeah. would have been like, what is it? What is it? You know, what's happening? I mean, at one and a half, that's they're like past that point by yeah. then. But but yeah, um, I have a lot of parents who it's like, oh my, you know, it's like I used to bring food samples, and I would bring basically a cucumber salad with like you know apple cider vinegar and, and pe- black pepper and. People will be like, my kid can't eat that. And it's like, well, why? Why can't they right. eat that? And then it's like, well, they don't eat they don't eat cucumber. And I was like, well, you say they don't eat cucumber, but like give this to them. And they would, and they're like, my kid never eats cucumber, and they're like licking this thing like it's the best thing in the world. And it's like, yeah, because it's got flavor on it. Yeah. Um But you know, and, and I mean obviously like within that, um, you know, people are like, Well, but like what if they're allergic? And um, you know what I say, it's like if you actually take a step back and sort of think about like what you are cooking at home it's like you're really cooking like the same like 10 if that like 10 10 things just like on rotation slightly differently every time um and so you know cook what you you want to cook and you know and then if there is a reaction you can take a step back and say well what was new that was offered at that point um but also i think um we, we were talking during the break too about you know like kids menus and um, and ages of this, and um, I'm I'm so against kids' menus in terms of like the whole like chicken nuggets, pizza, mac and cheese thing. It's if a kids' menu is like half size entrees, I'm I'm pro. That sure. sounds great. Um, but when it's like the same four bland brown things, it's just like you know, it's what age does that stop at? For, for some people, it doesn't. It doesn't. If And exactly. And it's like, well, if you've been eating this bland food your whole life, like, how are you going to make that transition once your taste buds have developed? I once read somewhere that all of your taste buds are formed by the time you're 12 months old. 
Um, and that those are basically all of your taste memories for life. So a lot of people say it's like, well, my kid is like so stubborn. It's like, well, but did they have it like early right. and they'll have that taste memory and they might just be in a stubborn phase right now. And that stubborn phase could last like five years if you have a really stubborn kid. Yeah. Um, but they've got positive taste memory from that, from like being super young. Um, and they'll eventually come back to it, yeah. you know, like riding a bicycle. So we're uh, we're just about out of time here, but uh, people can find out more about Allergic to Salad at AllergicToSalad.com. Yep. Um, so if someone was interested, you also, you, so you, you do classes in schools where you go into a school class mm-hmm. and teach regular classes, but you also do classes in a space where people can come to you. Yeah, uh, after schools, that? spaces where... Um, you know, we right now we're on just in a story on the Upper East Side at a couple locations. We also do restaurant partnerships, um, and so that's actually one of the biggest things. We do affordable classes at restaurants, so we usually partner um, with restaurants around the city. We just did one with Bear Burger in Astoria. We did one with Marlowe and Sons. We did one with Diner, um, where we partner with the chefs, and, and they uh, cook a meal with the or a, a dish with the kids, and it's... Um, it's uh, featured on on the menu for a week, and then proceeds come back to help us purchase equipment for our cool. our public school classes. So, um, sort of the best way is to to you know jump on to our website, jump on to our Facebook page. Um, we're also doing a camp for the first time that we're really excited about. Um, sort of a summer experience of going to different factories, like pickle factories and ice cream factories, and bakeries and sort of watching the process of what happens and then sort of bringing it back to our base camp. Um, so that information's on our, on our site too. But I think best way is following along Facebook, Instagram, website, seeing what's happening and getting involved. Definitely. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking time today thank to you. come down to the studio. Thanks everybody for listening to Feast Your Ears. Big thank you to David Tatashore for engineering the show. I have to make a shameless plug here for my first book, which comes out August 1st. Vinegar Revival is a guide to making and using vinegar at home. You can pre-order it at vinegarrevival.com or on Amazon or from your local bookstore. Please take a moment to like the show on iTunes if you like it. And please reach out to me if you have any questions. You can reach me via email, harry at thebrooklynkitchen.com. And you can follow me on social media at the Foodballer. You can find Feast Your Ears and lots of other great shows at heritageradionetwork.org and on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you very much. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.